Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage. This is the podcast about some of the New Hampshire bills you may not have heard of. State legislators are voting on over 900 of them this year. Did you know New Hampshire legislators have debated scuba diving for lobsters, hot dog condiment regulations, and even weather experiments? We're here to tell you all about it with unbiased facts, pros and cons, and tell you how to make your voice heard in the process. I'm Mike Dunbar, content editor for Citizens Count. And I'm Anna Brown, director of research and analysis for Citizens Count. Today's topic is a little bit of a throwback for me because I bring it up a lot in presentations as an example of how one person can make a difference in New Hampshire. I'm also a little surprised it hasn't gotten more attention this year, given the spotlight on gender and school bathrooms and all the attention the law got the first time around. Quite the teaser intro there. I have to introduce the bill somehow, don't I? So here it is. Today we're talking about New Hampshire's law related to period poverty and an effort this year to change it. All right. Well, first, let's take a walk down memory lane and talk about this original law. Okay. In 2019, Governor Sununu signed a bill that required every public middle and high school in New Hampshire to provide pads and tampons in female and gender-neutral school bathrooms for free. The new law, SB 142, aimed to address the issue of period poverty. Some low-income families can't afford pads or tampons. The school nurse can provide a free pad or tampon, but a trip to the nurse comes with embarrassment and lost class time. Students may instead use rags or other makeshift pads, or they may simply stay home from school. There are no statistics about how common period poverty is specifically in New Hampshire, but roughly 9% of New Hampshire children under the age of 18 live below the federal poverty threshold, according to U.S. Census data. A 2021 national poll commissioned by Thinks and the nonprofit Period also found that one in five teens has struggled to afford period products and one in four has missed class because of lack of access to period products. I remember this. The bill was brought forward by a high school student, wasn't it? Correct. Caroline Dillon, a high school student from Rochester, New Hampshire, brought this idea to Senator Martha Hennessy, who in turn sponsored the bill. And I like to talk about this bill in presentations because it's a wonderful example about how one person, in this case someone who's not even necessarily old enough to vote, can make a change in the New Hampshire legislature. And the bill had bipartisan support. When Governor Sununu signed the law, he wrote, The legislation is about equality and dignity. SB 142 will help ensure young women in New Hampshire public schools have the freedom to learn without disruption and free of shame or fear of stigma, end quote. Very much a coming together moment. But not everyone was perfectly excited about SB 142. Rep. Jess Edwards, a Republican from Auburn, was quick to argue that this law violates Article 28A of the New Hampshire Constitution. And I'm sure that everyone has the Constitution memorized, but that article requires the state to pay for any new programs it demands towns, cities, and school districts to implement. So he argues SB 142 violates the Constitution because it requires schools to provide pads and tampons for free without any reimbursement from the state. So he's tried a couple of times to propose bills that would change SB 142. This year, he sponsored HB 129. As introduced, that bill would require the state to cover the cost for schools to provide pads and tampons to students for free in school bathrooms. He included a formula for how much money each school would get based on, you know, how many female students were in the school. Hmm. I mean, there's plenty of people out there arguing that New Hampshire doesn't send enough money to schools. So even though Rep. Edwards is a Republican, I could see this idea appealing to Democrats, maybe. Well, the House Finance Committee did not like the idea. They completely rewrote HB 129 and made some different changes to state law. 
Notably, the amended version of HB 129 removes the requirement that free pads and tampons be located in school bathrooms. Public schools could choose to make the period products available elsewhere, such as the nurse's office or the principal's office. The amended bill also removes the specific reference to middle and high schools, requiring all schools to provide free products to menstruating students in need, regardless of their age. The amended bill does not include any state funding for this. Well, that's different. Quite different from the original bill. And I was a little surprised that committee members spent almost no time debating this rewrite. But then again, their discussion of HB 129 followed several onerous hours of work on a bill to replace New Hampshire's current juvenile detention facility. And that has gotten a lot of coverage in the news. Cliff notes, it's a problem. It's been a big debate. And there was an upcoming deadline for them to figure out what to do. The full House vote on HB 129 was similarly overshadowed. That day, there were votes on a parent bill of rights, no-knock search warrants, voter ID changes, and a whole slew of other controversial bills. It's been a year for big controversial bills. HB 129 may get more scrutiny in the Senate, however. 11 people testified at a recent Senate hearing on HB 129. 10 people signed in for the bill, and 69 people signed in against the bill. Let's dig into the pros and cons of this new version of HB 129, which is now in the Senate. Supporters of HB 129 argue that it removes potential legal issues for the state while giving schools flexibility to provide free pads and tampons in a way that makes sense for their school district. At the first public hearing for HB 129, Principal Lori Collins of the Auburn Village School, which is, I believe it's K through 8, testified that it was a significant expense and inconvenience to provide free pads and tampons in school bathrooms. She said, we have had septic issues, we have had pads stuck to ceilings, pads stuck to walls. And she noted that when a student had to ask a nurture teacher for a pad or tampon, it provided an opportunity to build trust and connect that student with more help. Opponents of HB 129 argue that it allows schools to return to a system where low-income students must ask embarrassing questions, miss class, seek out the nurse's office, or jump through other hoops when facing period poverty. Attorney Amy Kahn was one of several individuals who testified to the magnitude of period poverty during the Senate Education Committee hearing. She said, I understand a principal's frustration, but that's nothing compared to 42,000 students' humiliation and embarrassment. Representative Steve Woodcock testified about his personal experience as a high school softball coach. One player on his team regularly missed school due to period poverty. Then Sean Parr, representing the Manchester School Board, also spoke in favor of keeping the requirement for free, free period products in school bathrooms. However, he also provided testimony in favor of state funding for these products, which was in the original version of HB 129. All right, Anna, if a listener wants to get involved in this debate, what can they do? Right now, the Senate Education Committee is evaluating HB 129. So they can recommend further changes, they can recommend passing the bill, killing the bill as is, but all of that still has to go to the full Senate for a vote. And so if you have an opinion on HB 129, reach out to your state senator. You can find who represents you by going to citizenscount.org and clicking elected officials in the navigation bar. And that brings us to our weekly conclusion of our show, Only in New Hampshire. Anna, what makes our state unique this week? I found another bill to talk about since I just love finding quirky bills. This year, Senator Sharon Carson is sponsoring a bill to repeal the law on police matrons. Yes, you heard that correctly, police matrons, which to me instantly brought to mind crime-fighting nuns. Very sad to say that's not what this is about. Evidently, in 1915, New Hampshire passed a law allowing towns and cities to appoint police matrons, basically women who would have the same power as constables. 
So without doing a deep historical dive on this one, it seems that police matrons would often be the ones to deal with female inmates or victims, and this was really women's first entrance into law enforcement in the state. It seems the Concord Police Department, though, didn't hire their first police matron until 1953, and I found an article that she worked as a quote-unquote meter maid. So even though this law was adopted in 1915, it took a while for many places to welcome women into law enforcement. And at the Senate hearing for this repeal bill, SB 29, several members of law enforcement spoke about the important symbolism of removing this antiquated language and recognizing all of the women that are part of New Hampshire's police force. Very interesting. I think there's a lot more antiquated law on the books where that comes from. I feel like it's I'm on a hist- like on a roll with antiquated laws this year because I, I was also reading about how churches used to be able to just collect ch- taxes. <laughs> you know, they would get all the taxes for and because I've seen really random little references to that throughout law. So yeah, maybe maybe someone should do that. Should, they should just go through because there's I know there's been moves to repeal different laws. You know, like fi- I remember there was a controversial contest once about. It was something spicy, like find the stupidest New Hampshire law or something like that. Definitely generated controversy. But I bet there's lots of other gems there because this is really, I mean, it's a community story. We've been changing and writing laws in New Hampshire for hundreds of years now. So yeah, police matrons, who knew? Who knew? All right. Well, that wraps up this week's episode, but you can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd like to thank Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Grand State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music is composed by me, Mike Dunbar. Lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part of what makes New Hampshire by the people for you.